Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. The promises of God are precious and productive. They bring us into fellowship with God and make us partakers of His divine nature. They are immediate and available, desiring to inspire, encourage, and strengthen us in our faith. Part two of Cheryl's message titled, Possessing the Promises. We get to Paddington Station. It says it's walkable. So, you know, we're rolling our cases and it's just white with black. It looks like every other building on the street. And my boys are just shaking their head like, mom, mom. And so I'm like, all right. So we walk in the door when we find it and it's just really shabby. It's just this little room. And it's got these pamphlets here and some pamphlets here. And it's got kind of a door and we're waiting for someone to come. And then I walk over to the door and it opens up. And all of a sudden, there's this huge James Bond marble lobby with two of these fireplaces on each end and these sunken seating areas and these gorgeous elevators and this concierge steps up to us and says welcome to the so-and-so do you have reservations and I'm like yes but I don't think I'm dressed nice enough for this hotel (laughs) and the boys are looking going mom whoa and they hand us all bottles of water and you know Brian goes up to the desk and they treat us like royalty and they're like let us take your bags and they take our bags and we go upstairs and the boys go on one side of the hall. We go on the other side of the hall. We've got this, it's like these beautiful wooden floors, all these windows looking out to a garden. I've never stayed at a place this nice in my entire life. And I'll tell you one more story about it. But anyway, so there is no closet, no nothing, but there's all these cupboards on one side of it. And you press it and out comes a table all set for tea. And you're like, oh my goodness. So you press the next one and out comes a closet and it's got two robes and slippers. I'm like, oh, sorry, you know, I'm pushing and pushing and pushing. And it's so amazing. And then Brian's, you know, he's going to take a shower and I'm like, wait, there's a radio stat. I'm just going to turn it on and see what happens. He gets out of the shower and goes, Cheryl, that's the floor. <laughs> Couldn't step on it. So I had to go back in the shower until I turned it off. So I wanted to tell the boys, you've got to press on the cupboards. So I go across to the room and I'm, I'm knocking on the door. They come out. These are my boys. They're my sons. They've got my DNA in them. They've got their robes on. They've already got their slippers on. They're like, they've got their cups of tea. Like what, mom? What's going on here? 
And one of the things that came out when you press the button is this huge TV. It came out like a movie screen. It was like crazy. An offer, 50 bucks a night. I mean, it was just, it was just, a, it was just amazing, but it was beyond great. It was, it was so incredible. You know, and yet, yeah, first I was looking at Motel 6. Is there something with a one star that just guarantees no bed bugs? But the promises of God are exceeding great. But next we learn that they're precious. And that word precious means valuable or of great value. They are precious. They're like, you know, they're like 10 carats, diamonds, you know, not the, not the orange things, but the, but the diamonds and the rubies, they're of great value and pearls. They're worthy promises. They're sure and certain and you can bank on them. You can invest in them and know that you'll get a return for your investment. But not only that, they're productive promises. These promises do more than just offer us great things. They actually make us partakers in the divine nature. They bring us into fellowship with God and the Son, Jesus Christ. They make us heirs together with Jesus of all the good things that God desires to do for his Son. These promises are so productive that the promise itself strengthens our faith, brings immediate blessing, bears fruit, inspires us, encourages us, and holds us. It holds us because I'm not leaving till the promise comes. I'm not leaving till the promise comes. It's like sitting through one of those despicable me movies with your grandchildren, and they're like, no, Grandma, there's more things that those little minions do. We cannot leave. And you're waiting as all the credits, you know, because there's going to be just that one last scene that you've got to watch. But it holds us in the theater, holds us to our seat. That's what the promises of God do. They hold us. They hold us to the Lord. They hold us in place because I can make it through this trial because I've got the promise and I don't want to leave. And I don't want to put all this time into this trial and then not receive the promise. I'm going to hold on till he brings me out to rich fulfillment. I'm going to wait for that so it holds us. But not only that, they're protective promises. They keep us from the corruption and condemnation of the world. Because that's what it says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, when we're looking to the world to to give us that satisfaction and that fulfillment and to satisfy that deep need that we all have, We become more and more corrupted, looking for it out of the world. And those who are looking for the world for fulfillment, they get more and more corrupt because they try something and it satisfies only temporarily. So they go a little deeper in it and they're not getting the same satisfaction. So they go a little deeper. Let me give you an illustration that you will understand. This is one you will all relate to. Well, some of you, if you're skinny, you won't. If you're not skinny, you will. You know how you've gone on a diet before and somebody has a brownie and it looks so good. And so you blow your diet for that brownie. And when you take a bite, you realize it's dry. 
right? And so what do you need to do? You've already blown it. So you're going to find the right brownie, a brownie that satisfies. Even if you have to go through a thousand brownies and your diet cannot start until you get the brownie that satisfies. And no brownie lives up to. Once you get this idea in your mind what the brownie should taste like, no brownie, no brownie in the world will reach that brownie. When we lived in England, you couldn't get a box mix for brownies. So I was trying all these recipes by scratch. You know what my kids would do? Oh, mom, it's almost as good as a box mix. It's like, what? This is better. But they didn't think so. So there you go. But these are productive promises, productive and protective promises. They keep us from the corruption and the condemnation of the world. They guard us against false, temporary and deceptive promises of this world that can never, ever satisfy or fully deliver what we need. Their water leaves you thirsty. Our water not only satisfies, but goes deep in us, the water that Jesus gives and creates torrents of living water inside of us. So what are some of these great and precious promises that we've received from God's word? I'm just going to read a few. I'm going to give you the first promise I ever received from Jesus. It was the first thing I learned to read. It was a plaque that my mom put up in my room and it was Isaiah 41, 13. Now we can share promises So if I read a promise and you say, I want that one, you just claim it, sister. And next week, we'll begin to move into it. (laughs) Isaiah 41, 13. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help thee. Ephesians 4, 32, the second promise and the promises at the end. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I learned this promise when I was four, that I was forgiven because of the kindness of God. Romans 8, 28, who doesn't want to claim that one? All things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 38 through 39, nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Isaiah 25, 8, he will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. Second Corinthians 5, 1, and this is dear to me because of my father. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.13, 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 419, I like Philippians, it's just filled with promises. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. That's all encompassing, isn't it? That covers everything. Now, those are just a few of the promises, but this Bible is filled with promises. I had to stop because I could fill the rest of the time, the rest of the year with the promises of God. I praise God for Sunday school and for the Good News Club because it was there that I first was introduced to the promises of God. When I used to teach Sunday school, I would bring a box with me. And before Sunday school began, I would would have the kids put their name in a jar and I would have them all sit in a circle and I would just hold the box. When they were quiet, I would open up the box and say, I just want to show you some of the prizes that could be yours if I draw your name out of the jar and if you cooperate, sing silly songs with Cheryl, and do the motions and participate in the craft and listen to the Bible story. And so you're ready when I ask you a question and you can answer it. You can choose any of these prizes. I would pull out bubble tape, balsa airplanes, yo-yos, pencils, super balls, fidgets, just whatever I saw. At the dollar store, I was always looking for something to put in that box, something good, something that a kid would love in that box. And I remember one year I was teaching 10-year-olds at family camp, and these boys thought they were really, like, you know, cool because they had switched name tags with each other. And they are like, you don't know my name, <laughs> you know. They had one over the teacher. I go, that's okay. I don't need to know your name. Just don't put it in the jar because I don't want to call on the wrong person. I said, but don't worry. You know, you guys are part of this. You'll still get the lessons. You don't even have to do the songs with me or anything. You just can't be part of the whole whole thing, but don't worry. Oh, did I show you what's in my box? And I open my box. I begin to show them the different things. And all of a sudden this kid goes, I'm Lance. I'm Lance. Give me my name tag back right now. And he grabbed it from his friend. He said, here, you can have it. I'm in. I'm all in. That's what happened when he saw the promises. He was all in. Some of you aren't all in because you haven't seen the promises. You don't know how good they are. You don't know what God wants to do for you. And I want to say, what keeps you from the promises? What keeps you? Is it ignorance? Are you just simply not aware of all the good things that God is offering you? All the packages sitting on your front porch? Is it condemnation? You feel like you don't deserve the promises of God? You don't, but Jesus did, and he's giving it to you. Is it unbelief? Do you doubt the goodness of God or the power of God to bring it to pass? 
Is it unforgiveness and bitterness that you are so distracted from the promises of God? You know, it, it's like you're, you're sitting at a birthday party and you won't even open your presents because you're like, they're eating all my cake. They're eating all my cake. So you're not opening your own presents or even looking at your own cupcake. Is it a lack of desire that you like what the world is offering you better than the promises of God? Or is it fear? Like, if I open that box, is there a spider in it that's going to crawl out? What, what do I have to do to open that box? Maybe I just don't have the strength to open the box. Maybe somebody tied the ribbon with Girl Scout knots and I won't be able to get it out. Boy Scout knots, whatever. Whichever knots are worse. But maybe it's, it's, it's one of these things. Whatever the obstacle, God wants to deal with it this year. That you might know his promises. That you might receive his promises. That you might enter into his promises. That you might stand in his promises. And you might take possession of his promises. In my Bible, I have dates and I have initials and secret codes that mean something to God and to me. But they're prayer requests and they're promises that I've claimed. And many of those promises right next to them, there's a word answered. Done. PIF paid in full. And I have the date when God did exactly what he promised me. I had a prodigal. My Bible was all marked up. And every time I came to a verse where God said he was going to save my prodigal, even though I couldn't see it, I didn't know how he could possibly do it. I put her initials there. I dated it. And then I had to go back and write answered, answered paid in full, answered, answered. And now when I go back, I have to go hallelujah, glory, because she's gotten even better. She's like the most amazing, amazing woman I know. I love her so much. Only God, only God. Whatever the obstacle, these are God's promises and the potential and the power is in the promise itself and in the one who promised his power his goodness. Over 50 times in Deuteronomy, God tells Israel that he desires them to go in and possess the promised land. The word that is used is the Hebrew word yaresh, and it means to dwell in, to make it your own, to embrace. Now, God's not saying if you. He says do it when you, when you. This God wants you to have his promises. God wants you to have his promises more than you want his promises. And you want them bad. And God wants to work in you more than you want him to work in you. He wants to do great things for you more than you want him to do great things for you. You take your desire and you multiply it to exceeding great beyond, all the way to beetle juice and beyond. And that's God's desire to give you his promises. God wants you to possess, to dwell in, to abide, to make them your own, to embrace, to treasure, to hold them tightly, to live in them. 
and to have them fulfilled, to find them, desire them, mark them, pray over them, live in them. Jehoshaphat, Solomon, Daniel, all included God's promises in their prayers. And all of their prayers, and I'm going to paraphrase, go something like, you promised, you promised, you promised. This year at Joyful Life, we're going to be studying, as you know, the book of Joshua. And we'll be looking at how the Israelites went in and took possession of God's promises. Through their example, we will learn how to go in and take possession of the promises of God for each of us. Because the Bible is an eternal book, we will realize in this study that the claim that Israel had to the promises of God is our claim. That their opposition to the promises is akin to the opposition that we face. That their obstacles correspond to our obstacles. And we're going to learn how to get past the obstacles, how to get past the opposition. Their issues are similar to our issues. Their fears are just like our fears. They're, the reasons for their defeat are the same reasons for our defeat. Their instructions will become our instructions. Their lessons will be our lessons. Their victories will be our victories. And their possession will become our possession of the promises. This year, through studying the word of God, as we're reading it, meditating it on it, looking in-depthly at it, writing our answers, praying over it in possessing the promised book, as we're fellowshipping together in groups, coming together, talking about it, talking with other women, some who have possessed, some who are about to possess, some who've got the promise and are just simply waiting. Those who see it from a different angle, maybe in a way that we've never seen it before, discussing it together and sharing the things that the Holy Spirit ministers to each one of us we will realize together the exceedingly great property of these promises and the value. Then we will praise and worship in song, declaring the promises of God, declaring the character of the one who has promised us these things with our voices. Then we will listen to the proclamation of God's promises again and together Together, we will lay claim upon the promises of God. We will move into these promises. We will stand in these promises. And we will take possession of all that God has for us. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, it tells us that those in the Old Testament, there were many who saw the promises afar off and held on to them, though they did not receive it. They held on to them and it changed their lives and it blessed them. It gave them the power to endure and to be victorious. But we have the ultimate promise of Jesus Christ. And Paul tells us, if God spared not his own son, 
but delivered them up for us all, how much more will he give us all things through Christ Jesus? All things. If we, if when we were still enemies, Christ died for us, how much more that we've been reconciled to God and we desire him and his promises. Our God gives good things to those who ask. So it's time. It's time. And what a joy it will be as we lay claim and begin to possess the things that God has freely given us through Jesus Christ. What's holding you back from the promises of God? Is it condemnation or that you feel unworthy? Maybe it's fear, unbelief, or doubt that makes you question the goodness and the power of God. Whatever the obstacle is, God is calling you now because He wants to reveal Himself to you so that you may know Him and receive His promises so that you can possess and stand firm in them. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at how God's promises are certain and sure as we continue our Possessing the Promises series in the book of Joshua with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.